look at you today, 20 years later, and they still have no idea what you're about. Tell me in a sentence who you are. Nobody. I'm nobody. I'm a tramp, a bum, a hobo. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine. And a straight razor, if I get too close to me. Welcome, listeners, to Ya'ama with Lisa and... Hello. And um, this week we're talking to Kenneth Williams. He is um, going to be talking to us about Charlie Manson, Helter Skelter, the murders, the myth, the mystery. So let's go forward. Kenneth? Welcome, Kenneth. Mm-hmm. Hey, good to see y'all, man. Yeah. You too. It's good to see you too. Mm-hmm. Um, you look like a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my pretty side. Mm-hmm. I think I'm speaking for mm-hmm. most of us. I don't I don't think we need to go through the gory details. I mean, of, mm-hmm. the, of the murders, the murders have well, been chronicled. A lot of people know about Sharon Tate, but I didn't know they visited a house the next day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Tate Dash mm-hmm. LaBianca murders, yeah. August 9th and August 10th, 1969. Mm-hmm. See, I did not know that there was a second family. Right. Yeah. And also there was, there were, in addition to those murders, there were two other incidents that brought the total of nine victims that the family has actually been prosecuted for. That on other dates? The, or? On other dates. Okay. But then, you know, mm-hmm. some of the rumors inside the family is that it up to 35 maybe mm-hmm. done. So wow. They had a okay. Hollywood hit list. Yeah, uh, the suspicious <laughs> death of the prosecutor or the uh, the defense attorney yeah, that yeah. quit. So you're talking about Ronald Hughes, who was actually Manson's lawyer originally, beginning of the trial, mm-hmm. but then resigned from that post and decided. I don't know exactly. I w- that wasn't clear to me. I guess maybe uh, if you reread Helter Skelter, one of the, some of the stuff Bugliosi says about him is that an anonymous Manson family member had called him and told him that he had been killed by the family in retaliation for spurning Charlie, I guess. And Leslie Van Houten turned on the family and she was a key witness. So Hughes was defending her and which put him in directly the opposite of the family. Mm. But he went on a camping trip in the middle of the tr- of a trial. He went out with two other guys. Oh, okay. So he wasn't by himself. No, but he did get separated mm-hmm. and disappeared. He just didn't appear in court one day. Mm. And his body was found some four months later. In fact, his body was found on the day that the defendants were convicted. You know, were sentenced to death for the crimes, mm. which is kind of ironic, I guess. Mm. But. This guy found himself in the crosshairs. The number of 35 to 40 victims of the family kind of comes from a kind of a crazy family member who's still going today by the name of Sandra Good. Mm. So that's that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Kennedy said that. Uh, so, how did it start for you? How did you get uh, hooked on this case? Hooked on murder. <laughs> I think probably the same way you were talking about. I, uh, I read Helter Skelter and, you know, started piecing together all the little idiosyncrasies or whatever. And, uh, you know, another passion I have is music. So 
when the Beatles were tied in and the Beach Boys were tied in, that just piqued my interest even more. So, right. Have you listened to uh, Charles Manson's recordings? Um, I have not, actually. That is something that I was going to do today and didn't get around to it. Mm-hmm. We uh, What we did was we said, um, device, please play music by Charlie Manson. And she did. Really? <laughs> yeah. It so, was... Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, how was the music? Um, it was not technically inproficient. I mean, and his voice wasn't bad, but it was a little, um, I don't know, maybe toddler based stream of consciousness. Hmm. Yeah. You know, just kind of out there. I'd say it's from an, my taste. I'd say it's an acquired taste. Yeah, it would have to be. Um, mm-hmm. Things that are interesting about this case mm-hmm. is that they were able to convict Manson without him having physically killed anyone. Right. On conspiracy. And they've been able to keep him in prison and the whole time. Juliosi used the helter skelter um, mm-hmm. story about the race war that would, mm-hmm. you know, evolve as a result of these killings. Um, Mm -hmm. And his, you know, in his opinion, this this race war would evolve from that because white elitists would blame it on Black Panthers or Black perpetrators. Mm -hmm. The Manson family would retreat to the desert or the bottomless pit is what Mm -hmm. they called it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, once the Black Panthers annihilated the whites, then the family would emerge from the bottomless pit and defeat the Black victors and inherit the earth. So they decided that the whites were going to lose. Yeah. That the blacks were going to win. Right. And then they would come out and defeat all those people. Right. Uh huh. Right. And in the meantime, they're living in a bottomless pit. That's, this is exactly what, how would they live in a bottomless pit? Any ideas? This is it? why it's black. This is why it's hocus pocus. This is yeah. why it's so extraordinary that they were it's able ridiculous. to secure yeah. a. A conviction mm-hmm. of Manson based right. on this well, basic nonsense. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's that's always been a mystery to me, you mm-hmm. know. And I've said that many times. I'm I'm still not positively sure how they managed to convict Manson of murder when, according to everything that you read, he never lifted a finger. Mm-hmm. So now I could see conspiracy to commit murder. Right. But murder is just kind of a, 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 a long stretch to me. Yeah. Right. He was able to manipulate, somehow, he was able to manipulate, the majority of his followers were female, but there were men as well, as part of the family, into committing these murders or without him having to intervene at all. Without him to have to... And if, if you hear... You hear him tell it in, like, his parole hearings and stuff like that, he would say that he never directly commanded anyone to kill anybody that they all mm-hmm. went on their own volition and interpreted his mm-hmm. you know his stories yeah but mm-hmm. haven't you met people like manson i mean charismatic has, narcissistic yeah charismatic mm-hmm. aggressive talkers that won't let you get a word in edgewise that, that don't really listen to what you say but have their own okay, quit talking about me philip <laughs> I was just fixing to say the same thing. (laughs) Well, you know, and and this, this is something that I've said many times. Okay. Am I the most intelligent person on the planet? 
not even close, you know? So is there somebody out there that's probably smarter than me, more manipulative than me, uh, can come along and sell me some goods? I'm sure. Mm -hmm. However, the line is drawn when you go to talking about killing someone or taking your own life. It's time for me to take my ball and go home. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I I think it progressed to that point, though. I think that Mm -hmm. Charlie, he started with a small thing, you know, like sexual favor or something, you know, or or make make sure to, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, getting get money, go out and get some money for the family or, you know, whatever. And then it just progressed and progressed and progressed. And he would just keep pushing it out of almost an amusement to see what these people would, would do for him. And there were drugs involved, of course. Oh, yeah. They were yeah. taking some pretty, pretty special drugs. Yeah. <laughs> A kind, I think, they illegal. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to touch on the Death Valley bit just for a second. Yeah. Because I, I have a, a different perspective, a different take on that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what you said is pretty close to what I've always heard. With mm-hmm. the difference being that what I heard was that Charlie deemed the black man athletically superior and he deemed the white man intellectually superior. And so his, his way of thinking was that he was going to commit these murders. Well, he got impatient and that's why the murders supposedly got pulled off. He was going to take his family to Death Valley and he was going to let this race war play out. He was going to give it enough time that the black man was going to realize, even though I've already wiped out the white race and I own the country, we're not smart enough to run it. And so Charlie was going to come out. He was going to be the great white hope. And they were going to say, oh, please, Charlie, please, you know, lead our country. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, there's so many there's so many sides to this, you know, the Mm -hmm. racism uh, Manson was a disciple of Hitler. He had read Mein Kampf, mm-hmm. and he uh, was a devotee of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. I feel like there should be a counter to that book called How to Detect Bullshit and <laughs> Deny Narcissism or something. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, no matter how you slice it, I think I think you're right. That brings, uh, I think you're right that he, he felt like that they wouldn't be – you know, I hate to break down these racist views, but I mean, you mm-hmm. really have to when you look at this particular motive. I really, I think you're right that he thought that the uh, that they would inherit the the earth and not be able to run it, and that he would be able to uh, at that point take it over almost without mm-hmm. striking a blow because of this wow. intelligence. And do you think <laughs> that's what he told his followers? That's what he got them to believe. Mm-hmm. If, if you are to believe the Hype. The trial, uh-huh. when Bugliosi mm-hmm. convicted him at trial, this mm-hmm. is the main. This is the main mm-hmm. reason for the for the mur- mm-hmm. at least the Tate LaBianca murders. Mm-hmm. That's what we theoretically. Heard. All right, so this is a good point. I mean, that sounds like something he would come up with based on the entirety of his plan. Right, but I, I just want to make sure. Why do they the, have to live in? Death I want to make sure that the audience knows we're not going off. Yeah. On our own tangent no. here. We heard this this evening when we were mm-hmm. listening to the Mystery of Manson podcast. 
which wow it's bizarre yeah. <laughs> yeah well i've never been able to figure out how that all tied in anyway you know mm-hmm. i mean and 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 here's the weird thing to me and charlie manson okay mm-hmm. it's obvious he was a psycho yeah however if you watch some of the footage of him in court sometimes mm-hmm. there was a part of him that was very intelligent Oh, yeah. Well, psychotics are often extremely, extremely intelligent and have very high IQs. That's part of why they're messed up. Uh, Well, well, that's a good point. That's a very valid point. You know, but you can watch him and, you know, he'll be normal and intelligent. And with the flip of a switch, he's crazy. He's a crazy man. My point being that I'm not sure I understood why he thought that if they could go commit some murders, that it would automatically be blamed on black people. And this may be a little bit weird and and a little bit of a stretch, but I kind of compare him to Hitler in almost a way. You know, Hitler was a military genius, very, very smart, Mm -hmm. but moralistically he was just evil you know so and i feel the same way about charlie yeah Yeah. right that makes sense so i mean that's the main theory behind this the the you know the helter skelter theory that's that's the one he got convicted on that helter skelter is the the best-selling um true true crime book of all time so i think we need to talk about william garrison for a minute Mm-hmm. Not unlike Cato Kalin, perhaps, a bystander, as someone who was living on the premises during the actual murder, although Cato lived with OJ, so the reference really isn't perfect. <laughs> but um, in the early hours of the investigation, Gerritsen was considered the prime suspect, or at least a person of interest in the murders at the Tate residence. Um, Gerritsen had been entertaining Stephen Parent, who had apparently stopped by to sell him a clock radio, which Gerritsen did not buy. But they took some time to have a couple beers together and uh, before Parent drove off. So Gerritsen was definitely awake during the time of the murders. Now, he claims that he was listening to music and that the dial on his uh, stereo was only up to five. And it's hard to imagine that a 22 caliber pistol going off right outside his window would not be able to raise above the volume of uh, a stereo at that level. His testimony changed over the years. I'm sure at first he was scared to death and denied any knowledge of the murders taking place. But later he did con- confess, uh, I think I've read around 19... 19- in the 90s, maybe late 90s, he had done an interview where he claimed to have seen the death of Abigail Folger when Atkins ran her down on the lawn. He claimed to have heard things. If that's the case, and he had called the police at that point, he might have staved off the deaths at least of Rosemary and Leno Lobianca and Shorty Shea um, and brought them to justice a lot more quickly. But he did not do that. And um, I did read that Bugliosi absolved him of any blame of or knowledge of knowing what was taking place in the house after interviewing him um, 
quite extensively. So that's William Garrison. Uh, th- th- after a couple of days, he was uh, cleared of any charges uh, in the murders. But there are other there are other uh, opinions of Theories, what motivations. Yeah, and I think if we look mm-hmm. at um, some of the other murders in this this series of murders, I think that uh, some of those other theories become more believable. And the, the, the very first murder that took place where a, a Manson family member was convicted was the murder of a guy named Gary Henman. Mm-hmm. And Henman was a, a friend of the family, so to speak. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he, he's a small time drug dealer, but by most accounts, a pretty good guy, you know, and, and um, he, uh, you know, dealt with Charlie and, uh, you know, considered them all friends and everything. But at, at some point, there was a drug deal that went bad. Are you familiar with this case, Kenneth? Uh, a little, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know Hinman is also the guy that introduced Charlie to, um, gosh, I can't come up with his name right now, the guy that uh, eventually introduced Charlie to Dennis Wilson. The yeah. record producer or... Okay. Um, well, uh, so they had a, dr- a drug deal that went, went south. And I think what happened was uh, Charlie got some bad acid or mm. uh, they just lost out with some money on a drug deal or something. But mm-hmm. in, in his mind, Hinman had double-crossed the family. Mm. Um, and then word got out that Hinman had inherited something like $20,000 from his family and had come across, you know, some money, whether it was that mm-hmm. way or another. So he sent, uh, Charlie heard, heard of this and he sent a guy named Bobby Beausoleil. Really? Beausoleil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the character name from the water boy, Bobby Beausoleil. That might be, yeah. Uh, you know it. what? I've never put those two together in my life. Yeah. But you're right. Well, I just didn't, I enjoy the movie The Water Boy. So, you know. Of course, we can verify yeah. that, but you probably, I think you're it right. That sounds Boussoulet. right. Yeah. Yeah, it it is Bobby Boussoulet. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So he sent Bobby and Sadie Atkins, who seems to be in the middle of every one of these. She's like mm-hmm. the most psycho know, girl. You were looking at any the of the girls. Psychotic girl. The most sadistic, yeah. Yeah. Sadie mm-hmm. Atkins. And mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was, I don't remember who the third girl was, but uh, might have been. I don't know, Patricia Krenwinkel or something. I believe it was Krenwinkel. So they visited Hinman, Mm -hmm. and they got over there, and they they, started out sort of, they eased into the conversation, like, you know, it was like Mm -hmm. just a friendly exchange, like, hey, you know, we can make this right if you just come up with the money and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But eventually it got bad, and they called Charlie. Charlie came over with a samurai sword Mm -hmm. and slashed Hinman across the face. From there on, it became a hostage situation. So for like three days, they held him mm-hmm. hostage, at the end of which they... Uh, Did anyone know they were... I mean, was it an actual hostage situation where like the police are outside? Or was no, it just no. they were holding him? Okay. The kid, yeah. I mean, they held him captive. He was injured. Okay. They held him captive for three days, mm-hmm. torturing him, basically. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of three days, or somewhere within the three days, the water boy stabbed him to death. So that was the first of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. and, uh, uh, I, I believe I came across something that said, I, I think it was Hinman, that mm-hmm. Mosley actually 
uh, years later gave up the location of the body. Okay. I believe I came across that somewhere. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it was a bid to get out of uh, prison. Oh, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. I mean, my understanding is only one person from the Manson family has gotten out. Yeah, uh, it's been released. It was a woman, but I don't know who. Oh, I want to say Linda Kasabian. I think you're right. I think it was Linda Kasabian mm-hmm. because she she went to the the Tate House, but she didn't participate. She was just a watch, mm-hmm. you know, watch out. Um, but okay, so the people that kind of have the alternate theory of what happened with the drug, the bad drug deal. Was it all the subsequent murders after this Hinman murder was an attempt by the girls to make it look as though the true killer was not Bobby's Beausoleil at all, but was still on the loose and that they would be, he would be released from prison. Um, and I would guess that that, that particular motive or theory would come from some of Manson's supporters who would lay the motive at the feet of the girls rather than Charlie himself. So that, that's an interesting one. I I think that has... Uh, Leslie Van Houten. Van Houten was released? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. After five parole... Uh, hold on, let me read. When? Um, California Board of um, Parole Hearings recommended for the fifth time in five years on Tuesday the convicted murderer and Manson family member Land... Leslie Van Houten, 72, be set free. Oh, okay. Recommended. Yeah. Yeah, but not... Okay. So who was actually paroled? Okay. Okay, well, that's... Uh, but I know somebody was released. Mm-hmm. That's an, inter- that's an mm-hmm. interesting thing. I don't I don't know if I believe that one, though. What about you, mm-hmm. Kenneth? I mean, that, that seems far-fetched. They all seem far-fetched, but that seems particularly far-fetched. Uh, it, it it does to me as well. You know, I just feel like that while all this was going on, you know, they were in like such a state of psychosis, you know, like sharks at a, at a feeding frenzy. And that's kind of a uh, pretty intelligent theory. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think any of them would have been able to think that clearly. But I couldn't be wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, Beausoleil was the only one that went to prison for that one. Now, mm-hmm. All the other participants you know, were not charged. But So that's an interesting one. But to me, I, it seemed like more of a, a one-off thing to me. That um, it, it certainly showed that they were capable of committing murder, though. I mean, in that respect. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, that brings me to a question, though. If... If Beausoleil was the only one convicted of that murder, then you know, was there a whole lot more talking going on that we were than we were led to believe? Mm. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, because it's it's clear that Bo- there was more than Beausoleil there. So why yeah. was he the only one convicted? Yeah, that's uh, that's that At is that a pu- that's puzzling. Yeah. yeah. He was just a good soldier. <laughs> I mean, he just, yeah, right. I want to go down and protect all you guys. Don't worry. You know, I don't know about that. I, well, that make that, that's a good a good answer to that. I mean, you know, they they proved time and time again that they were loyal to Charlie to a fault for sure. Yeah. 
Well, you know, so we've kind of gone over two motives here, but um, it sounds like you're mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, knowledgeable about the Dennis Wilson connection. What, what do you, tell us about that one. Uh, well, I'm a little bit knowledgeable and, I, you know, I guess I'm probably like everybody else. I've been victim to propaganda. Uh, however, you know, what I had heard is that at one point in time, Charlie was actually living in the Wilson's mansion and he wanted to be a member of the beach boys and that all fell apart. And Charlie supposedly threatened Dennis Wilson, which um, if you go back, there was a summer that Dennis Wilson kind of disappeared from the band, you know, and uh, they say that was the reason that Dennis practically had a, a nervous breakdown because he was so scared of Charlie. So Wilson, he kind of befriended Charlie and brought him and welcomed him into his home. And he was kind of, I guess he was kind of a party animal and he really enjoyed the girls and the drugs for a while and, you know, didn't mind having them around. But I think that became kind of a old hat at some point and he got kind of sick of them and didn't know how to get him out of the, his, his, you know, luxurious mansion. And uh, I think it was in, it wasn't in Malibu, but I think it was on sunsets or off just off sunset or something, but he couldn't get him out. And he, and so of course, Wilson being a beach boy had, you know, his connections in the business. So he, he knew Terry Melcher, who was like one of the premier producers in the music industry at the time. In fact, he was um, Doris Day's son. Right. I read that today, which was some interesting news for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so Wilson arranged for an audition for Charlie with Melcher. And I've always wondered if there was some kind of handshake deal or something like maybe Wilson said, look, I got to get this vagrant and his hippie chicks out of my pad. You know, I got to get him out of here. Can you give this guy all he wants is a record deal? You know, you can cut one shitty record and be done with it, you know, Get it, go ahead and I'll, you know, give him a record deal and uh, we'll get him out of our, get him out of my house. And maybe Melcher said, you know, gave him the impression that that would happen. But then when he heard Charlie's music, he wasn't about, about to put his reputation behind the artist and decided mm-hmm. to you know, turn his back on Charlie, which, which is what he did. He did, he met with him two times and he never did offer him a record contract. And I guess that just set, set him off, you know, just, set the gears in motion for mayhem or whatever. Uh, that seemed to be kind of a, uh, an MO for Charlie. Um, I, I read an article not, not very long ago. Um, and somebody was interviewing meatloaf and they asked him what the craziest thing that ever happened to him. And he said, well, when I moved to, uh, LA back in the day, he said, I was, a, I was a bit of a free spirit. He said, and I was driving in LA and I seen a hitchhiker and I stopped and picked him up and we were having this really good conversation and then it kind of got weird. So I had to figure out a way to get him out of my car. And he said, he found out later that that person that he picked up turned out to be Charlie Manson. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I said. I was like, whoa. Yeah. That would uh, give you a chill. Um, but did, did you know that Melcher, here's the big coincidence of that, Melcher uh, lived at 10,000 
50 Cielo Drive the summer immediately before Polanski and Tate did. That was his uh, resident. Yeah, I, I had read that somewhere, which I thought was pretty peculiar. Yeah. You know? So, it, I mean, uh, it, that, that brings up the question of whether Charlie thought he still lived there or not. Right. Right. And so I've got, I, I saw a quote from Bugliosi that he did not believe that, that he, he did believe that Manson was aware that Melcher did not live there anymore. And even though he targeted that house and that the, the murders were in, intended to scare, you know, maybe I shouldn't say Bugliosi because <laughs> he put all his eggs in the basket of the Helter Skelter theory. Right. But, right. Yeah. But, um, I did read a quote that it, it was believed that Manson did not know that Melcher lived there at the time of the murders, that he just wanted to scare Melcher. Well, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, I, I think that would be uh, ideally Charlie Manson. You know, I mean, what what better terroristic tactic than to say, hey, this could have been you. Right, right. And, you know, the... the La Bianca murders the next night sort of prove that it wasn't a targeted attack on any individual or kind of suggested that it was more an attack on um, uh, the, the elites or the, the wealthy um, the people that were keeping him from having a career in music or whatever um, no one individual really well you know that seems a little bit I mean I don't know if you if you take the the Tate murders, and and you really break that down, you realize that everybody at, at that residence was famous, except for Steve Parent. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I think he was just possibly wrong place at the wrong time. You know, and the LaBiancas, even though they were wealthy, you know, they were in the grocery store business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a huge gap right there to me. Yeah. More so, business. So it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. More business than showbiz. Exactly. You know, so uh, that 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 sets me back to the whole helter skelter um, theory. You know, yeah. I, I don't think it really had anything to do with show business or or Charlie being robbed of his fame. But more, you know, hey, you know, if we commit these murders and we make it look right, then, you know, we're going to propagate what we want. You know, this this race war is going to break out. We're going to head off to Death Valley and, you know, everything's going to be hunky dory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I became the I became aware of another theory recently. Uh, I got I'm going to struggle to find his name is Tom O'Neill. He wrote a book about Manson called Chaos. Mm-hmm. And this one is relatively a new theory, um, although the agency that he talks about, MK Ultra, has apparently been around since the 40s under different names and, and, and such. But it's like, this is, this is wilder than any of the theories mm-hmm. that we've come up with so far, I think. Right. <laughs> For the reason behind Squeaky Frome was released. That's the one I was thinking of. Squeaky. Yep. Wow. Because she didn't actually do any murders. 
Um, she at tried least to not kill those. Gerald Ford. Yeah. Right. She tried yeah, to kill Gerald right. Ford. <laughs> um, and uh, and she was, uh, let's see, finally found herself behind bars in the mid-70s on September 5th, 75. When she was 26, she pulled a gun and aimed it at Gerald Ford. Um, Secret Service agent, uh, she was disarmed by Secret Service and <clears throat> arrested Although the gun did not have a round in the chamber, her lawyers argued that she had no intention of killing Ford. She was convicted for attempted assassination. Unlike her murdering family, she was not a model prisoner. Um, let's see. Okay. Institution in Dublin, California, with a hammer and briefly escaped federal prison camp in Alderson, West Virginia, in an attempt to reunite with Manson. In 2009, at the age of 60, she was paroled and relocated to a small town in Oneida, California, or Oneida, Oneida County, New York. Hmm. Interesting. That is very interesting. To come yeah. back from attempting to kill a president, that's pretty <laughs> unusual. You know what? I did hear mm-hmm. something about somebody. Try, uh, there's a YouTube out there where somebody tried mm-hmm. to approach mm-hmm. her recently, and she started beating him with a stick or something like Good that in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. She still got the fire, huh? Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we take a break here for our sponsor, and then come back and talk a little bit mm-hmm. about um, this theory okay. about MK Ultra. Okay. Okay, so before we continue, I just feel like we need to insert um, the, the murder of Shorty Shea in here because it is uh, one of the cases where Manson family member went to prison for uh, murder. Um, so there was Steve Clem Grogan and Manson's right-hand man, Bruce Davis, who actually assisted him um, in the death of Hinman as well. Gary Hinman, which we talked about earlier. And uh, this happened on Spawn Ranch, and it happened in uh, before the trial, but after the Tate LaBianca murders. And what ha- the reason that the Manson family was arrested was because uh, they were rounded up in a car theft arrest. And Manson and Shay did not get along very well. Shorty Shay, um, they actually had come to blows in the past. Manson uh, didn't need a whole lot of excuse to order his death, and apparently. Davis and Clem and possibly even Tex Watson ambushed um, Shorty on the premises of Spawn Ranch and killed him. His body was found kind of very much like um, Hughes, the lawyer, much later. And there were actually some tips to Bugliosi as he was writing his book from family members that uh, that had been done by a Manson family member. Finally, Clem went to prison for that. Clem Grogan, just known by Clem took the fall on that one and actually uh of of notes we talked about we talk about manson members who have been paroled clem is actually a free man today and he performs in los angeles in and around clubs in los angeles uh you apparently can run into him um on the uh music circuit but that's the story you know that that, that's a, a major crime that they you know one of the four murders that included nine people that we're talking about here is the murder of Shorty Shea. Okay. He was a ranch hand. Okay. You know, he was a ranch hand and on the, on the site of the, the ranch, he would uh, mm-hmm. just as depicted in once upon, once upon a time in Hollywood, people, celebrities would come and ride horses 
along the canyon, the ridge of the canyon. I remember seeing that in the in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and reputedly celebrities celebrities would come. Jim uh, Morrison apparently was known to ride horses there. Steve McQueen. So there you go. Death of Shorty Shay. So we're back with Kenneth Williams. We're talking mm-hmm. about the Manson family murders. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, the only other theory I'm going to mm-hmm. bring up, and Kenneth may have some that he wants to bring up mm-hmm. as well. But the only, the last one I want to bring up is the MK Ultra <laughs> theory being propagated by an author named Tom mm-hmm. O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And I have not read his book, mm-hmm. but I did listen to a three-hour interview he, he did with Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. like 2020, right after the book was released. And the book talks about a, a CIA-led program that started under a different name in the 40s, mm-hmm. by which the government uses mind control to get people to... So mind control drugs? Yes. Maybe? Well, okay. well, no, no. Oh. Hypnosis. Yeah. Hmm. Hypnosis, okay. actually. Um, mm-hmm. To uh, to get people to, people do... to do their, their dirty work, mm-hmm. to do their bidding, to do to act against their behavioral uh, tendencies. Mm-hmm. And, and the concept mm-hmm. is that Manson was a hippie that was targeted mm-hmm. by the CIA mm-hmm. to... Do the to do these murders in order? It was Nixon White House, right? Mm-hmm. Nixon hated hippies. He hated mm-hmm. the, the you know counterculture and everything. All right, the drugs to mm-hmm. turn you know popular opinion against the left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, and, and I'm not going to disagree with Nixon wanting to do that. Well, the thing that's weird is about mm-hmm. when you listen to Rogan, it, mm-hmm. he always prefaces everything with. Mm. Well, I used to be, I used to think that people believed in conspiracies were just, you know, off the chain and, you know, mm-hmm. low IQ and they couldn't really process mm-hmm. the intelligence or knowledge, you know, but now, you know, you're making so much sense out of this, but he repeats the same mantra with every conspiracy mm-hmm. nut that comes right. on his show. Like he, that's, he really f- feeds off of these conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Do you think he feeds off of them or do you think he feeds them? He pays them or something? No feeds as in um he's having them on well yeah he's full of shit he's not he doesn't really feel that way he's just saying that to get the conspiracy theorists to come on because people tune in people will tune in for these things yes but this Mm -hmm. here's a couple of things uh kenneth that that made me leery of his uh assertions one of them is he had a big grudge with vincent bugliosi because he and early in his research, the for water the, boy who could hate him, Vincent Bugliosi, <laughs> not Bobby oh, Bugliosi. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Right. So, um, so he had this big grudge with Bugliosi that bubbled mm-hmm. up over the years because he had gone to Bugliosi, you know, the prosecutor of the Manson family, mm-hmm. and had uh, chipped away at the at the helter skelter theory by mm-hmm. presenting his own. And at some point, mm-hmm. he claims that Bugliosi just blew up. And start threatening with lawsuits. And he was trying mm-hmm. to destroy the validity of his book and his case and trying to get his case mm-hmm. overturned. He started turn, you know, unveiling all this crap about Bugliosi had beat his wife and had accused the milkman of sleeping with his wife and was doing like surveillance mm-hmm. on just all kinds of crazy shit. And mm-hmm. there was another 
There was another thing mm-hmm. that leads me to believe, not to try to bias you against this guy, mm-hmm. but O'Neill also had an interesting theory about the Kennedy assassination. Yet mm-hmm. when he had an opportunity presented to our inspector who was on the Warren Commission, mm-hmm. he declined that opportunity out of fear that he would have his intelligence stolen from him. Oh. So if you have wow. three hours to, to waste, you might want to listen to that podcast <laughs> sometime. But I kind of revealed yeah. what I think of that theory. What, what do you think, mm-hmm. Kenneth? Have you looked into that much? No, actually, I haven't. Uh, it's funny that this comes up because it was just mentioned to me by a very good friend and my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son informed me that Kaczynski was a part of MK Ultra. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how true that is. You know, like I said, that came from my son. But, you know, um, I'm not a great big, huge conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. However, you know, on the flip side of that, I am a person that believes that pretty much anything is possible. And that's it is believable. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, I I mean, some of the things that I, you know, I've ran across and in my lifetime and things that I've heard about that is believable. Um, Do I believe it? No. And probably the biggest reason I don't believe it is because it just seems mighty happenstance to me that this book didn't come out until after Bugalosi's death. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Mm -hmm. you listen to his interview, he talks about, he started this project in 1999 and did not release it until after his death. It, it's selling well. I, I looked at it on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. it's doing well. I mean, you can tell because yeah. I mean, just about anything Manson does well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but if it wasn't doing well, it'd be mm-hmm. you'd be able to read it on Kindle for free. You can't mm-hmm. read it on Kindle for free. So. <laughs> 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 uh, it's like nineteen bucks or something. I should note that Manson. While he did not commit any of these crimes physically, he did shoot shoot somebody, at least one, in addition to the violence he posed on Gary Hinman. He shot a member of the Black Panthers named Lotsa Papa. Or, no, actually, he thought he was a member of the Black Panthers. But uh, Papa um, survived the attack, unbeknownst to Charlie, and came back and testified against him in the trial. Another very prime witness against Charlie in the trial was Paul Watkins and, of course, Leslie Van Houten. So he had an uphill battle with the uh, people he had crossed along the way. So, uh, I mean, it's, we've talked about all those theories. I, I'll have to say, I just, I just think Manson was a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I believe happened. He was a narcissist. Psychotic. Psychotic. Mm-hmm got off by seeing what people he could get these people to do for him. And every time he was rewarded with their right. behavior, it would just infuse him, him with more, more power to do more. Right. Because when you see him talk in his jail interviews and mm-hmm. his parole hearings, he's not a, he's not a pleasant conversationalist. He's, he's got unhinged. To, he's got to own the floor. He will not mm-hmm. let you say anything. He will not, you know, Mm-hmm. And, and now he's and presumably he's not even under the influence of drugs now or then he's gone mm-hmm. now of course he died yeah. in 2017 right i just feel like he was oh the same as my dad same year 
I just think he liked to manipulate When was it in? Do you know? What month? I don't know. If it was August, I'm going to be like, ooh. I remember he got sick and he lingered <laughs> for quite a while. Yeah. He was like, they were doing yeah. a vigil. Yeah, because we lost our dog and my dad in August of 2017. It was not a good year. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I was doing some research to make sure I was kind of prepared for this. Right. You know, it's been a long time since I read Health. You Health talk for a month. while. <laughs> I'm sorry? You talk for a while. <laughs> you talk now. <laughs> uh, uh, have you guys heard of Linda Lake? Have you? I have not, no. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this was interesting to me because I ran across this today. Mm-hmm. And I think that she may be the luckiest person on the planet. Um, she, When she was 14 years old, her mother and her father moved to the uh moved in with the man with Manson and the family. Oh. And so yeah, so she became um very familiar with Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess she was kind of going back and forth. She they they pretty much told her that since she was 14, she was jailbait and they didn't really want her hanging around and so mm-hmm. forth. But she she eventually became intimate with Charlie. Yeah. But uh I guess a few years down the road when she was 16, she testified because, you know, she had heard uh, uh, Beausoleil and, and a couple of the others talking about the murders, and she testified. And so she kind of disappeared, and somebody that was familiar with the Manson family ran into her and told her, you know, you're hot. They're looking for you. So she went with to Seattle with this guy, and she wound up going to uh, overseas for about three or four years. And then when she came back, she was adopted by a local police officer or she was fostered by a local police officer. And that's right. how she got away from the whole Manson family thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, she did testify about beatings, rape, and so on. Now, this is saying the 14-year-old was Diane. Bro. No, I, uh, she might have oh, gone to later. No, no, it's Diane. I would it is my Diane. Name. It's Diane. Okay. Yeah, it is yeah. Diane, and <laughs> she. Well, what she said in this interview that I read mm-hmm. was very interesting to me. She said Charlie had the uncanny ability to be whoever he thought you wanted him to be, mm-hmm. and that's, that's how he was able to manipulate people so well and get them to do his bidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess when, when he's sitting there in front of Tom Snyder or Tom Brokaw or somebody, maybe he's not going to, he, he might put on a different face than he would if he was sitting there in front of you. Or oh, right. Rocking right. to one of these girls, you know. So the, the lunatic mm-hmm. you see on TV may be the different manifestation of him or well, you um, know, something else that I kind of put together when I was reading up on things. You know, and I and I said probably at the beginning of this, I said it that it's always been a mystery to me because I felt like these people were fairly intelligent. Um, but maybe it's a psychological thing. And all these people, the one thing they may have had in common was that deep down they were desperate for something to believe in, desperate for someone to follow. Because I noticed, and and I don't mean anything offensive by this. But mm-hmm. I noticed that the majority of the family have all become born again Christian. Yeah. And 
Uh, even Tex Watson is an ordained yes. minister. Yeah. And he so, has children from uh, conjugal visits. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I just read that. <laughs> Did you just read that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Diane Lake in the movie, um, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. the hitchhiker is representing the idea of her. Oh, okay. Apparently. Well, you mentioned close calls, or mm-hmm. like the night of the, the Tate murders. Apparently, you know, they 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 visited another house where they expected to confront somebody that they had targeted, and I can't think was the man's name, but he happened to not. It happened to knock on the wrong door. Nobody was home or something, so he, he escaped. Now, um, according to what I read here, the woman that was supposed to bring them to his house knocked on the wrong door on purpose. That's oh, what she yes. testified. Okay. She said yes. that she did that on purpose because she didn't want him to get killed. That she, she was she not took them to the wrong address. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, Angela Lansbury's mm-hmm. daughter had been mm-hmm. a, a, a Manson girl. Really? And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that may have ended badly for her. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. They had a Hollywood hit list. They had a number of people like Frank Sinatra and Steve mm-hmm. McQueen and people of that time that they were going to go after next that they had, mm-hmm. had the opportunity. I should mention, let's go ahead and mention the names of the victims. because I think you do a disservice having a podcast like this. You know, mm-hmm. we're not here to uh, celebrate violence. Well, while he's looking that list up. We're no fans of I'm, Charlie Manson. So. I'm just going to say that I think one of the most fascinating things is the fact that Charlie Manson murdered no one. And he still stayed in prison for life. Now, he did he get a death sentence? Do you know? Um, He did get a death sentence. Okay. So he got a death sentence for telling people, go do this, and the people doing it. And that's one of the things I find fascinating about this case. Uh, that is absolutely fascinating. I mean, yeah. uh, and I've, I've argued that point. You have to wonder, it kind of actually to me, and, um, and I am not a, a wackadoodle uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm never going to line my hats with tinfoil. <laughs> um, but, um, but. You know, I do know people who are and I respect their, you know, beliefs and let them have those beliefs and let them have their tinfoil. Uh, that's exactly what yeah. a conspiracy but theorist would say. That's right. I was going <laughs> to wear my tinfoil hat for this podcast tonight, but I decided not to. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but, you know, it that conviction to me kind of puts the possibility of government intervention into the trials. Hmm. You know, I mean, the fact that they managed to do that and it didn't get turned over in federal court or in any appeals, and he didn't just get, you know, shuffled off to a mental hospital because they still had those then. They could have deemed him crazy and locked him up in a rubber room with a jacket that ties in the back. I guess that conspiracy caveat and drugged him into the, no the fifth dimension. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'd probably like that. Yeah, but that's beside the point. Well, okay. Yeah, right. when, you think, when you think about conspiracy, think mm-hmm. about the Lincoln assassination. John Wilkes Booth was the only one. Well, not the only one. Not the only one. But Mary Surratt mm-hmm. was hung mm-hmm. on the conspiracy charge, not on murder, because she mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do. So that's yeah, but Sharon Tate wasn't the president. That's no small thing. 
No, no. Yeah, it's conspiracy. I mean, it is um, one of the one of the first real like serial killer situations in America that that really caught the attention. You know, that where we have the ability to watch the trials, to see what was going on. We could see it on the news. Whereas the previous ones that they had taken into, you know, like, I mean, you know of the previous ones, like the previous famous killers who, before the Mansons, before the 70s. Like back in the 50s and back in the 40s. And, right. Well, I mean, yeah, there were some yeah. terrible crimes. And they called mm-hmm. them spree killers, though. That's yeah. what, this was before the FBI started profiling killers oh, yeah. and came up with the term serial killer. Although, right. you know, Manson wasn't typical te- serial technically, killer. Technically, yeah. Serial killer doesn't fit. Spree killer really does kind of fit more. Yeah, there weren't a whole... I mean, there, there yeah. probably were, but they weren't... I don't know. They weren't uh, but, but glorified in yeah. popular culture the way... This is the thing it. where you didn't have to wait to see it in the newspaper. You could watch it on the news every night. Right. I, you know, and that that actually brings up a, a, a very good topic for discussion. You mm-hmm. know, you hear this all the time about how worse things are in America than they've ever been. Well, you know, here's the thing. Is, is it really any worse or is it just, we just know. easily or consumed now? You know, yep. because, uh, you know, people people forget about uh, the Wild Wild West or they forget about Babyface Nelson and John Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde. You know, yep. uh, crime has always been rampant in our country. That's yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, yep, those are some big names, mm-hmm. big names, and not right. only crime but just culture, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's exactly. uh, let's. I'll go ahead and list the victims here: Gary Hinman, Shorty Shea, Stephen Parent, Donald Shea, Shorty Donald Shea. His name was Donald. Don't Shorty okay. Donald Shea, mm-hmm. Stephen Parent, mm-hmm. Wojtek Frakowski, Wow, Abigail Folger, Jay mm-hmm. Sebring. Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. Leno LoBianca, and Rosemary LoBianca, and I guess mm-hmm. if you want to include Sharon's unborn child, that would be ten. Yes, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's all. Um, that's only the ones they were convicted on. There is, you know, more yeah, that says that yeah, yeah, that more people were killed than that. Right. But I think those names are more important. And right. Squeaky Fromms and the Sadie oh, yeah, Atkins yeah. and, uh-huh. and Charlie Manson's right. mm-hmm. and Beausoleil. In spite of the fact bullshit. that the only musical you like is the uh, musical Assassins. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's good. It's a good show. If it comes really? to your town. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll have to check it out for sure. Speaking yeah, of which, uh, whereabouts are you? I am actually about... Mm-hmm. 22 miles from where they film The Walking Dead. Oh, cool. Oh, awesome. That's you sad. ever wander over there just to see? Oh, absolutely. All the time. You know, I actually, uh, there is a restaurant that is owned by, uh, oh my gosh, the name Norman Reedus and uh, the producer, oh, wow. Nick, uh, Nica, Nicotera. Okay. And called Nick and Norman's fantastic restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I go I go there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's kind of wrap it up, I guess. And but what I want to do is just talk Is there about, anything else that you really want to get across about the subject? About the subject. I you know, I guess probably 
And I, you know, I'm glad we did this because it's really put an idea in my mind. Mm-hmm. There's something that that I've always said when I talk to people about Charles Manson, yeah. and I've always said, and this this is this is my unique personality. Mm-hmm. I've always said that if someone would give me a wish before mm-hmm. his death, my wish would have been to go sit in a room one on one with Charlie Manson. Mm-hmm. That that would be the first thing I would ask for. You know, unfortunately, yeah. I'll never get that opportunity now, mm-hmm. but there's always Tex Watson. Yeah. yeah. And now as a murder mystery fan, Philip, do you feel that way about the subjects that you look into? Not many of them. No. I come away with a very, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, just this whole thing with Manson and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. filled me with uh, skepticism and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like salesmen. You know, mm-hmm. for instance, I don't like yeah. uh, people that try, you know, he really doesn't like salesmen. We went to buy a used car once and the guy got too salesman. We had been <laughs> dropped off by his sister. We actually left the, 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 the car dealership and went to the bus and the guy came to the bus and begged us to come back. What a great we were at adjective. the bus stop. Huh? What a great adjective. Salesman. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, I mean, I'd like to if I if I sat mm-hmm. down with Charlie Manson and I felt like I could have a conversation with him after five minutes sitting there, then I then I may feel like there's something to be. But I I, I just don't I don't think uh, based on the recordings you've heard, I, I don't like to feel like I'm being played. I don't like mm-hmm. feeling like that I'm being manipulated or I, I just you know. Yeah, but I feel like if you if you go into it knowing that that's going to happen, you're not really being played. You're just well, allowing him to, maybe I don't to have be the, nuts. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I have no yeah. defense against it. Or right, right. Know. Well, well, from my perspective, and I, I totally understand what you're saying, and when you use the word salesman, I, you know, Charlie just jumped in my head because he may be one of the greatest salesmen of all time, right. you know, but to a fault, I'm an analytical person. And what has always intrigued me about this case is mm-hmm. I've always wanted to know what it was that made Charlie tick. What is it that made him so just capable of convincing people to do these things? I, you know, you know my mother was, uh, as, as someone once said about her, Darling, you didn't kiss the Blarney Stone. You bloody well genuflected it. <laughs> because she could, she could sell it, you know? And she, nobody didn't like her. She was the life of the party. Um, she could walk into a room and steal the guy from the hottest woman in the room just with personality. Not that she wasn't liked. attractive. but I would have liked her a lot. I would have mm-hmm. liked her a lot. Yeah, she, uh, was it... Um, she was in New Orleans and uh, she was dancing on a table and uh, she had one of those like three foot long uh, uh, beer steins, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. And this lady came in and she said, uh, the, the bartender said, what do you want? And she says, I'll have it. He's ha- she's having. And he goes, unsweetened iced tea. <laughs> Uncold sober oh. dancing on a table. Gotta love it. Gotta yeah. She she literally it. couldn't drink. If she drank, she ended up in the hospital because of a a, a pancreatic disease that she uh, a hereditary pancreatic disease. 
Oh, but wow. yeah, but yeah, she she literally dancing on the tables, and I like to think <clears throat> I do a little bit of that, just not quite as much. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to do. She was very light on her feet ridiculous things. She could really dance. <laughs> she could cut a rug. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, before we got off here, I wanted to ask you a question, Phil. Yeah. Um, I, I sent that email about fatal vision. Um, are you familiar with that case at all? No, but I was, I was going to take a look at it. I, mm-hmm. It's just been, yeah. The, been, today was insane. All right. <laughs> Two well, doctor's appointments, uh, had to get no, It was the other shoes. day, but I've been oh. a couple of days of insane. Oh, okay. But it's like, if you'd like, I'll, I'll, Take a look at it, and maybe we'll have you back and talk about that. Yeah. Oh, I would love to do that, because if, if there's anything that comes as close to Charlie Manson and the family, it's that case. Okay. It is so extremely positively controversial, man. You know, and there's, there's, there's two books that I would recommend. One is Fatal Vision, mm-hmm. and the other one is called Fatal Justice, which is basically a rebuttal to fatal vision okay yeah i'll look i'll look at it yeah but you had mentioned um manson having manson in a room and uh and i wonder have you ever seen um have you ever seen mindhunter i you know it seems like i have say i watched the series i believe but for whatever reason it just doesn't stick with me yeah. You know, uh, the in a sense, it's what you want. He gets to go and talk to them. Well, it's a couple of uh, mm-hmm. uh, FBI agents, mm-hmm. uh, but they did, and it was based on an interview he did with Tom Schneider. So, I mean, it wasn't totally what you're, t- but, but what I'm getting at is Manson and pop culture, like the same actor's name, Damon Harriman. He played, I mean, he, it was a uncanny mm-hmm. represent, I mean, he was just reminding me. <clears throat> Reminded you just like him. It seems yeah. just like him, you know. And and we need to also, get you on with JD. But he also played. He was mm-hmm. the same guy who played Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He played Manson in the Tarantino movie. JT. JT Townsend. Yeah. Yeah. Our well, true I, crime writer. We have on. He's a. We have him on. Uh, we've had him on for uh, a local crime that happened, uh, the Bricka murders. And then we also had him on to discuss um, Lindbergh, baby. Lindbergh, baby. He's got a lot of interesting ideas about that. Um, mm. But he has managed to get access to actual, uh, what do you call it, evidence. He's managed to get into the evidence rooms on these crimes and oh, to see wow. the actual information firsthand. He's been in the Lindbergh mansion. He's been... Um, to the Bricka, you know, not in the Bricka house. Someone actually owns that now. Here's his book, Summer's Almost Gone. Yeah. Oh. It's really I'll interesting. Um, yeah, this uh, this family gets murdered. Um, it's a husband, wife, and the four-year-old daughter. Yeah, it's a famous Cincinnati case. Yeah. Uns- and, and it's unsolved, of course. So there was another instance in the series Mad Men where Draper's second wife, Megan, moves to um, Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and Draper meets her there and she's wearing a shirt that Sharon Tate made popular in mm-hmm. the 60s and a poster. Mm-hmm. And there are like sirens playing in the background. Mm-hmm. You can hear coyotes in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Draper says... Um, that she's living in Dracula's castle, you know, <laughs> everything oh, kind of 
everything yeah. was very overtly referring to the Manson case and that. That was mm-hmm. another instance. Then you got like Marilyn Manson, Shirley Manson. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they definitely, I don't know if Shirley's real name is Manson, but I mm-hmm. suspect it's not. I think they're playing on his uh, um, renown. And um, mm-hmm. some people believe that the song Magic Man is about Manson, mm-hmm. you know, by heart. I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, to take it a little step further, um, I was reading in, in the stuff that you sent to me that uh, people were saying that Nancy had once been a a, a member of the family. Mm-hmm. That is a little far-fetched to me. Yeah, know? I think she's... Maybe she flirted or, or visited, you know? She's Partied reputed. with him once and then, you know, didn't come back. Well, Debbie Harry was re- reputed to be a... Manson girl too, but I think both of them have refuted that. And, mm. You know, that's it, probably not true. We probably shouldn't be spreading gossip. I guess well, <laughs> we're not we're not originating it. You can look well, it up. You know yeah. the 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 thing that was on your list that surprised me and was definitely news to me was uh, Trent Reznor had bought the residence before. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, I I did not know that. He was I, the. I thought that was a, he was the last owner, I believe, and he what? turned the the ten thousand fifty Cielo Drive where the mm. Tate oh, okay. murders occurred. Uh-huh. He bought it and turned it into a sound studio mm. and recorded his uh, most famous album, which was mm-hmm. Downward Spiral, mm. at the in the living room, right where the mm. every all the mayhem happened. Huh. But he got a serious case of remorse over that and really disavowed mm-hmm. that. And when he moved out, he was really mm-hmm. felt bad about it. And mm-hmm. the only thing that remains at a house, apparently, is a door that he took with him. The mm-hmm. door that appeared, you know, the next morning in the news, that pig written on it. Mm-hmm. He did preserve did, that. But, did I did I read somewhere that you went to Spawn Ranch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. There's nothing there. It got uh, destroyed. Well, we were kind of in either floods or fires or, you know, take your pick. Our co-host Aaron is usually here. I don't know what happened uh to him tonight, but you'd like him. But (laughs) we visited uh, California last uh, fall and And actually we went to Vegas and we drove from Vegas to Aaron's home. Yeah, Aaron actually came up to Vegas and picked us up in a rental car and drove us back down to LA yeah. and we stopped at a uh, uh, um, a famous uh, ghost town yeah you know Calico, um, Calico. Calico. Ghost town. Like and that. then we went on down to LA and uh, we spent like four days in LA with Aaron taking us just to the sites but on the way up to LA we went mm-hmm. through Santa Susana Pass yeah and uh, uh, took and a little off-road up the side of a hill. Mm-hmm. And we stopped to the side of the road. Aaron's hiked this, but Lisa and I aren't hikers, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we just stood outside the fence, and mm-hmm. we could see, you know, you could see the From clearly, where the we mountain. were, you couldn't get in. Yeah. There was a, a locked gate. But there's a lot of access from around it by hikers. So there's a lot of hikers that go to that site. Yeah, they get in there. My, I guess my biggest question would be because I feel like that if I went there, I would get some kind of, I don't know, vibe or creepy crawlies or, you know, something. Did, did you get any, you know, any feelings like that? I can't say that I did. I expected to, but it was like, um, I, 
we, it'd been a long drive. We'd been driving about six yeah. hours that day, and uh, uh, a little more than that actually. Fact, been... And we stopped at Calico, so that was a couple of hours. And um, uh, what what is it? Uh, honestly, the vibe we got was um, hungry. Yeah. Uh, because we hadn't eaten since breakfast. We went to In and Out Burgers immediately yeah. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, great place! I, I, to I'll eat. send you. Some, I'll yeah. send you some pictures, and we took. Yeah, us. the burgers were good. It's we not... did try the fries. They're right. He Aaron's right. They're horrible. It's really the pictures, fries were awful. The pictures are unremarkable. Ugh. But if you go on YouTube, you've probably done mm-hmm. this. You go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There are some really good uh, tours that people mm-hmm. have actually taken on foot back in there, where they've showed. The couch, remember, have you ever seen that picture of the couch where all the girls are lined up on the couch? It's a stone cave kind of. Yeah, I I believe I have. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's still there. And there's like some rebar and shit from the, you know, from the old set that's down inside the canyon. And there's some really good videos out there. But like there's there's no building. You can't like walk through and see the buildings and the corral and things like that. We were warned that, Mm -hmm. you know. You got to be wary going up there just because, you know, his followers are still out there. Well, you know, now that we're sitting here and talking about this, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy to me because I lived out there for years. Yeah. I actually lived in Vegas and in San Diego and I, and I never went and I don't, and I'm sitting here going, what the hell's wrong with me? Were you a fan back? Were you a uh, aficionado back then? Uh, Absolutely. Come later. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe you didn't want to, you know, maybe you don't want to kill the uh, the love, you know? Maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, it just, it just struck me as funny as I had all this opportunity and I never did, I never did do it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think I mentioned earlier and I kind of wanted to throw this in yeah. uh, for, for my brother's. Um, I was in the United States Navy Seabees mm-hmm. and I was stationed on an island in the yeah. middle of the Indian Ocean. And mm-hmm. it had one of those signs that had, you know, uh, New York, 4,000. Oh, yeah, cool. you know, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah. anyway, I, I did want to say hello to my brothers and I love y'all, man. Thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you for, for service, the service for sure. But thank you. I appreciate that. My, my the service was absolutely my pleasure, especially in the seventies and eighties. Well, you know what? I think I think you got a career in uh, mm-hmm. podcasting ahead of yeah. you. Yeah, you think you're, so? You're, you're very personable. <laughs> We've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I've I've had a blast, man. Yeah. This is yeah been like one of the best things I've done in a long, long time. It's been fantastic, man. Like we made another friend. It's great. Yeah. Oh, good. I I feel the same way, man. And you know, anytime you you want to have me on, please. You know, I would I would love to. uh, Yeah. Well, like I said, if if you check out, yeah, I think you'll be very happy if you check out that Fatal Vision. Absolutely. There's another one called uh, Zip Ties and Lies, and I actually did an audio version of that. Yeah. And yeah, it was. Uh, so you did do a voiceover for it? I'm sorry. I did do a voiceover for it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 Zip ties yeah. and lies. All right. Zip ties and lies. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, uh, uh, I have a name for my podcast already. And yeah. I just want to see what okay. you think about it. Beers, bullshit, and sometimes whiskey. I All like right. It. 
Nice. Anything with whiskey. <laughs> I like that. In fact, he'll be pouring himself a couple of fingers in a few minutes. We have social. Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Thank you.